0: you know, cause I'm like in fitness, I'm in yoga, I'm in public health. You know, I also, you know, I'm a big hip hop head. So I'm, I'm over in that area a lot too. Um, but yeah, I, you know, for me it's, I, I definitely want to be able to offer information that's, um, Informed, I guess is the best word I can use yeah. uh, because that's, you know, like that my training is in writing academic papers, but I also really just love to write. And so being able to write in a way, you know, and the SAS part of it is that I swear a lot, you know, there's a lot of swearing in there. There's, there's a lot of like, just, I keep it super real, you know, I mean, that's, that's part of who I am and you can't necessarily do that in academia. <laughs> so it's kind of fun for me to be able to write things that, hopefully will help people,
1: but then also just do it in sort of a fun way. Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness podcast. That voice you just heard in the beginning is the guest for this episode, Dr. Shauna Harrison. Now, before I get into the full introduction for Dr. Harrison, do me a favor, reach down, give a quick review for All About Fitness. You know how this works. The more reviews that the podcast gets, the higher up it goes in the search rankings, and that's one way that you can support an independent content producer like myself. Now on to the introduction. Shauna has been very active on Instagram and on Twitter, and actually that's where I got the idea to interview to do this interview. Was I, I follow her Twitter feed, and she had a couple of irreverent posts on Twitter that I that I want to follow up on and ask her about that. She wrote because uh, she wrote a great thread about dating in, in the era of the coronavirus, and, and we'll talk about that. The other thing that I really, and really, what I wanted to have Shauna on is that Shauna is she's a graduate. She went to UCLA, John Hopkins, Stanford. You know, you know those, those schools, those little schools. But she has a PhD in public health, and also besides that, Shauna is a yoga instructor. She's a fitness instructor at Barry's Boot Camp in San Francisco or in the Bay Area. And so when she talks about public health, what we talk about on this episode is public health, the need for responsible social distancing. But we're doing it from a standpoint of not, it is from an academic standpoint, because that is what Sean is studying. That is her area of expertise. She is an adjunct faculty in the field of public health. But we also talk about it in the fact that she is a fitness junkie. She's a yoga instructor. So for her, for somebody that, you know, that's why it's an interesting dichotomy, right? Right. You see a lot of these talking heads on TV talking about, you know, public health issues and, you know, God bless Dr. Fauci. He's being very responsible, you know, but they're not coming at it. They're coming at it strictly from a public health standpoint. But I also wanted to, to bring in a, a viewpoint of understanding the role that fitness plays in our life because we know that fitness can enhance the quality of life. We know that exercise is important for health benefits, but for also for psychosocial benefits you know, that's one of the biggest disruptions right now for many of us that take classes or teach classes is that is a huge part of our community, of the people that we interact with. And that's really why, you know, that's one of the reasons why I want to have Shauna on is to have that conversation, not only from the standpoint of the academic side of public health, but looking at it from what's it mean to be an instructor to go from teaching live classes to now you know, Shauna is teaching classes online. She's doing yoga classes online. She's having to make that adjustment to be able to do that. And that really is, it's, it's a fun and engaging conversation. Now, the other thing, and what I wanted to uh, invite Shauna to be a guest on for this episode, is that she's recently started writing a column for Self Magazine titled The Sweaty Professor. And I really, I love that. Now, I'm a fan of Self Magazine. And yes, I know that, that the audience for for the magazine is primarily women, but to let you know, I mean, for the last, you know, from starting in 2008, I worked, you know, I worked for the American Council on Exercise for five years, starting in 2008. But that's also when I was a media spokesperson for the American Council on Exercise. And over the years, over the last dozen years or so, I've given a number of media interviews to Self Magazine, you know, giving them fitness advice, giving them workout advice. And and I've become a big fan of the content that Self Magazine produces and I wanted to be able to give uh, Shauna a little exposure because i've read a couple of her columns on Twitter and I really have a little i really have not a little i really have a lot of fun with her irreverent take on 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 fitness and so all that wrapped up together that 's why Dr. Harrison has joined us today and I, I know I always like to i always like to respect my guests who uh, who do the academic work who do the lab coat work to really and i, I to use the doctor title but really Shauna is very approachable. We have a really fun and engaging conversation about public health. And I think you'll come out of this with a different, with a kind of a different viewpoint and the need for social distancing because we need to be responsible right now. And I know, you know, trust me, I'm going a little stir crazy myself, you know, being stuck at home. I recently adopted a dog, you know, part of it, you know, as much as I love my kids and I do love my kids, you know, they live with their mother and I wanted to, you know, it's, it wanted to have a new roommate, somebody to to pay attention to. So we're all reacting to this in, in in different ways, and and that's part of the things that that's one of the things that Shauna and I talk about. Now, before I get into the interview or before I get into the formal interview with Shauna, keep in mind that on All About Fitness, I am not going to be taking sponsorship. I'm not doing ad money. I'm not going to be putting it behind a paywall and asking you for nine dollars a month for a subscription or anything like that that a bunch of other podcasts do. Instead, if you want to support all about fin- the All About Fitness podcast. What I'm going to ask you to do is either buy a copy of my book, Smarter Workouts, and buy it directly from the publisher, and I'm going to have a link to to that below in the show notes, or you can pick up one of the workouts that I'll have produced uh, coming up very shortly here, and the workouts are total body workouts, and it's a total package. I'm not just giving you a workout. I'm giving you a strength workout. I'm giving you a mobility workout. I'm giving you metabolic conditioning solutions, and they are going to be priced very reasonably. They're eight-week programs. They're designed to help you move better, designed to help you feel better. And if you move more often, if you feel better, guess what happens? You end up looking better too. So keep an eye out for that. If you want to find out about other content I'll be creating and to get a free chapter from Smarter Workouts, my book, go to the website, PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's PeteMcCallFitness.com. Sign up for the the mailing list. I'll send you a free chapter from Smarter Workouts along with a free bodyweight workout that you can do while we're at home practicing uh, responsible social distancing and trying to flatten the curve from the coronavirus. So with that out of the way, this is a fun look at understanding public health. This really will help you gain a lot better, a lot deeper insight into why we need to be doing this right now. As as, As much discomfort as this is, this is really the best thing that we can do. The one thing we can do right now, the one thing we can control is we can all work together to flatten the curve. And that's exactly what the sweaty professor and I talk about on this episode with Miss Shauna. Well not Miss, but with Dr. Shauna Harrison. I'm talking today, and I don't think we've met in real life, Shauna, but I'm talking today with Dr. Shauna Harrison. A you have what, a PhD in, in public health?
0: I do. I have a PhD and I also have a master's in public health as well. Yeah.
1: Okay. And so first of all, thank you for taking, you know, I know your schedule is really busy right now and you have to run around doing so many different <laughs> things. Yeah, I've been <laughs>
0: super <you> for, busy. <laughs> I
1: want to say thank you for taking the time to join me um, because honestly, when all this stuff started popping off and, and you're, you, you like myself are based in California, you're one of the first people that popped in mind because of your background. You have a very unique background in um, public health and also teaching group fitness. So let's, let's just jump right into it. What is From a public health standpoint, how important is this shelter at home? Everything that we're having to do right now, as uncomfortable as it is, being confined to our home, how important is this whole shelter at home order for you know maintaining public health?
0: I mean, it's it's everything right now. I mean, aside from hand washing, obviously, but um, yeah, no, I mean the whole shelter in place, you know, social distancing, physical distancing, however you want to phrase it, I think is is something that if we don't abide by this, then we're going to be underneath underneath this quarantine for a lot longer um, because it's, it's really, you know, the whole flatten the curve thing has, you know, I'm sure people have heard of that a gazillion times by now, but um, that really is what we're trying to do, right? We have to keep it, we have to keep the upsurge of cases, you know, as minimal as possible for the the overall public good. And I think that that's kind of what's a little bit tricky about it for people that don't quite understand how severe this can be, because it's like, you know, I'm fine. I feel fine. I don't need to do anything. I can go do whatever I want, you know, and it's really like, it's about the greater good. And I think that that can be a little tricky for people sometimes, um, especially once you start to feel confined and you, you don't really know um what to do with yourself but it's is so extremely important for individual behavior to change so that we can you know have a better good like a overall good for the community um and for our systems right because the longer we have to do this then obviously that has economic impacts that we already feel you know all of the things that are going on because the hospitals don't have what they need to have we don't have enough beds we don't have enough ventilators and we all you know we all these are the things we're seeing in the media and all of that. And that's really the problem is that if we get this upsurge that we can't handle, it's it's going to cause a lot of problems.
1: Well, let me, cause is your, is your MPH, your master's in public health and your, your PhD in, in public health. What is your area, especially, I guess I should have asked that before jumping right in, because this is this area of what we're dealing with right now with understanding the virus and, and trying to control it is epidemiology. Am I, am I, because again, I'm just a meathead that <laughs> I'm a meathead that, that, you know, personal trainer that, you know, I, I understand a little bit of this stuff, but you know, there's a difference between epidemiology and public health. And, and can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, so public health is a really broad term, and and most um, schools of public health, you know, at various universities have multiple departments. Epidemiology is generally one. Sometimes infectious disease is a separate one. Um, And, you know, public health touches everything from those two things to, you know, health systems to health behavior to you know, mental health, like it's, it's a very broad term. So my focus was not in infectious disease, um, which is what this falls under. And epidemiology is sort of the study of disease as well. So my focus is more on sort of community health and behavioral health. And specifically where this actually comes into play here is on health communication. So um, what's interesting is when I did my dissertation work I was looking at the coverage of health in Spanish language television news and sort of not judgment good or bad, but sort of what are they covering and how are they covering it. And my background, because it's mostly behavioral health, is a lot in chronic disease prevention. Obviously, my my love of fitness plays into that, right? Because we're talking about movement, we're talking about nutrition, sort of health behaviors, and how can we get people to, you know, improve the quality of their life by improving their behavior and with a focus on communication. So during my dissertation research, what actually happened was, so I captured via recording, I captured a certain time frame of news media, both morning and evening news um, on Univision, which is a Spanish language television news, but I happened to capture when H1N1 hit. And I don't mm. know if you remember of that, but yeah. yeah. Um, and it was, so, which is obviously another infectious disease. So again, my focus was on chronic disease and I was really looking for those messages, but sometimes what happens in research, especially because I was doing qualitative research, I really wanted to look at what was going on, even though I don't really know that much about infectious disease, other than what I have to know, you know, for public health, which is generally more than the average person. But um, it was super fascinating to see Because if you remember H1N1, there was this whole thing about it starting in Mexico. And so some of the sort of racism pieces that are happening now that we see with this whole quote unquote, unfortunately named Chinese virus, that is the most incorrect thing to say. Um, A lot of that sort of same racism issues and sort of more um, cultural issues were happening with with the Latino population, specifically the Mexican population, um, during H1N1, and so I got to watch that happen on the news, and so I and I one of the pieces of my dissertation actually kind of focused on that. So to then fast forward and now be here with coronavirus, I don't actually watch the news for my own <laughs> mental yeah. health sake, yeah. <laughs> but you know I do read articles, and I'm obviously on Twitter and you know whatever. So I I follow I follow some of the articles, but I really try to focus on the the sources of information. But it's really interesting to watch people and their reaction to the media in relation to what I know about media and health communication. So it's, it's been a super interesting dynamic to watch.
1: Well, when you look at this and and the question asked from that is when you look at these healthy behaviors, how much does healthy behavior obviously influence our health, but when you look at it, how can we change our behaviors to influence our health? Because I think you're right. A lot of people might look at and they're like, okay, I'm not getting sick. I'm not, I may not feel any effects of, of a flu or a cold, but how important it is that, that even as one individual, our actions influence so many other people, right? I mean, we we can't just think about how we feel. We have to think about the greater good and larger community. Isn't that why this is such a big deal to try to get on top of this and and do the so-called flatten the curve?
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, again, what's sort of tricky because it's like individual behavior versus community good and you know, sort of the differences there. But really, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to do this, even though like, a lot of us might feel okay about the statement, I'm going to do this to make it better for everybody else. But it's also, you're doing it to make it better for yourself (laughs) in the long run, too, right? Like you are part of the community. So by making the community better, you are making yourself better. Um, And I think that that's, you know, a really important thing to think about, you know, like, even if you don't, we, we we know this, like you can be asymptomatic, your symptoms can take a while to start to kick in. So you could be out and about and, you know, spreading it to all these people and it may not directly impact you as badly, but it could impact someone, you know, their parents, their, you know, I mean, all of these people who are sort of in this high risk group. Um, and, you know, you, you could be doing it to, to your own family. To I mean, it's just...
1: We have to be really, really careful. And what role does government play in this? Because I know you studied this from how can media influence uh, community behavior. And I know you're, like you said, you're very active on social media. But what role, how can government really, and what is government trying to do right now in terms of these stay-at-home orders, in terms of, of recommending the social distancing? And why is this so important for people to pay attention to? Oh, government. <laughs> I, 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 I like that's a very loaded question. But the, it but is a loaded I, question. I, I, but I'm looking, I guess what I'm thinking about is, because last night, we're recording this on Friday, the, what is it, uh, the 20, 27th. And mm-hmm. last night was a one-week anniversary. So we're going on one week of the statewide you know, shelter-at-home order in California. You're in the Bay Area, so you've had it a little bit longer. Yep. But people hear this sometimes. And I think, oh, just, that doesn't apply to me. You know, that's the government saying this. But how important is it? Because government makes a lot of mistakes. They, they fumble a lot. Sure. And it's, it's led by people and all people are imperfect. But why is it important right now that we have to, and, and trust me, I'm very skeptical of government on many levels, but at the same time, I'm looking at it going, you know what? I really don't want to gamble. I, I don't mind taking risks, but I don't want to gamble with long-term health. And if, 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 the, if the evidence is out there that this could be fatal, I think I'm going to listen right now but why is it important that we do pay attention to all the information that's being put out there whether or not we like the government or not
0: well in number one like most of i don't want to say all because we know that some of the government is not paying attention to what the experts are saying but <laughs> i think a lot of the state and local government are 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 listening to what you know the the public health officials and the doctors are saying and Making you know these mandates and/or requests for behavior change on the local and state level because it is so important, and it's not just the government trying to you know hold us down or whatever. You know, it's it's not some conspiracy theory. It's it's legitimately for our health and for the sake of, and that goes across the board, right? The health, obviously, of the population is going to contribute to the economic you know, foundations and, and everything. So it's extremely important to pay attention. And I think the government has to step in and which, you know, you're seeing that, especially California, New York, some of these places where they're really, you know, being adamant about this in order to enforce those types of things, right? Because it's really easy for people to be like, well, I don't have to go to work and I can go, you know, I think around here, I just received something that they're starting to close down the parking lots for parks,
1: They've done that here in San Diego County. In San Diego County, they've closed down the parking lots for public parks. Or at least in Carlsbad, yeah, live, closed down. They've closed down the parking lots to the parks, the beaches, the hiking trails, yep. and trying to really, you know, I might go out on my mountain bike later today and poach one of the trails or try to go. my well,
0: you, can, you, you can technically still go outside, but what they're trying yeah. to avoid with closing down the parking lots is these big groups of people who are going yeah. out there and having, you know, barbecues and like whatever with, you know, groups of people, which is exactly what you don't want right now, you know, but like going outside to go for a walk or a run or a hike or a bike or whatever it is. And you're, you're still maintaining your social distance from you know, even if you go out there with your immediate family or whoever's in your house, like your small group of people, um, maintaining your social distance from everyone else is, is the key. Um, but you know, I mean, they're, they're having to do things like that in order to try to keep people from congregating and, and perpetuating, you know, the, the virus as it continues to spread, because, you know, all you're doing by doing that is giving the virus another option to live. And that's what we're trying to, keep it. We're trying to keep it down. So, well, and and on one hand, I mean,
1: and I don't want to be, I don't want to be fatalistic about this or, or be dark about it, but on one hand, as somebody who, who studies public health, who's worked in it, you've got to kind of be licking your chops a little bit and going, wow, because this is happening. This is real time. Like what you've studied. I mean, this is, you spend years, you know, you have your PhD in it. So on one hand, you got to be like, wow, this is fascinating because you're seeing how we can do certain interventions And I really, you know, to get into a little political side of this, I think when we look at the data in another year, you're going to see a huge discrepancy between progressive states like Washington, you know, California, that took very aggressive actions early Mm -hmm. and maybe other states that maybe might (laughs) tend to vote in a different way that kind of threw their hands up in the air. Oh, this is no big deal. You know, you're going to see that. And I think you'll see that polarization between, red and blue, where some of the, the more progressive, traditionally democratic states that listen to government and, and follow the tenets of government had a much better response to flattening the curve than maybe other states that are a little bit more libertarian or a little bit more, and eh, we'll do what we want type of attitude. So isn't this kind of a fascinating, like, it, from that perspective?
0: Yeah, 100%. You know, I mean, it's, Obviously, I would never have wished this situation on anyone or anything. None but, of us, would. you know, none of us would, right? I mean, why would you? But I find it super interesting because, you know, again, like I've taken epidemiology courses many times over, you know, between my master's and my PhD, and a lot of times when they're, you know, even for those of us who weren't in that that department when they're testing us and we're talking about certain things, like these are the types of scenarios that they create for us to figure out like, okay, what would you do in an XYZ situation? Or, you know, they, they gave a there was like a not famous, but like we always talked about within our, <laughs> our school because there was a, like a very um, constant test that was always about this food poisoning thing to try to figure out which, which food at this picnic was the one that started the food poisoning and, you know, who ate it and like all of that kind of thing. And even in those scenarios that we were tested on, something like this just would have never like even occurred to me that like we would be living through something of this magnitude. I mean, I don't think everybody understands like this is, this is no joke and it's also it's just, it's, I mean, it's incredibly historical in so many ways. And, and I'm not, I don't mean that in necessarily a positive way. It's just, this is something that's like, un, I mean, unprecedented is the word that gets thrown around to like every <laughs> article that you read in every interview, but it's really like, that's the only word that like fully describes, like, we don't really know how, you know, we don't know about this, this virus. It's like brand new. We don't know, you know, what it's going to do, how, you know, there's a lot we don't know about it. And I think, you know in in regards to your your statement about like you know taking aggressive action early on and and sort of the government role in that like it's it, again it's it's the government paying attention to what the what the public health officials are saying and you know also to to come from a school like Johns Hopkins where you know that's where I did my PhD and they're the ones sort of in the forefront of a lot of this not all of it obviously but like it's it's a it's an interesting you know sort of being from this, this field to just have it be such a big thing right now is, and seeing the things that we studied, the the health behavior, the sort of, you know, why people do things, how people do things, you know, all the different levels of what contributes to someone making a behavior change or not making that behavior change, you know, the environment, the, the, you know, the economic impact, the cultural impact, like all of those things, are, it's really it interesting to to sort of see it happen real time um but all that to say like this is i mean as <laughs> this is what we would hope would never happen and yet here we are and we have to take the action that is necessary in order to control this thing
1: well well two things well two things that, that kind of come to mind shauna is that for years they've predict, been predicting i mean this is nothing new right i mean Planners and, and people that, that work in this field full time have been war planning or game, what is it, game, game uh, role playing, mm-hmm. gaming out this type of scenario where you do get an infectious disease. You know, They thought it might have come from, they thought Ebola might have been it, you know, where it's really infectious right. and fatal and rapid spreading. So to, to go back to your earlier point, I think it's somewhat ridiculous to, to all these conspiracy theories about this is from China being weaponized and yada, yada, yada. I mean, the fact is viruses, and I don't know that much about this, but from what I've read, viruses mutate, they change. And I have to tell you, I've spent enough time in China. I've done, I, you know, I, went to, I was in China three times last year, and I do a lot of work in China. The Chinese food markets freak me the hell out. I mean, they are unsanitary. They are not clean. And they just, I, I, so for the idea of a virus, you know, kind of evolving from that, that environment is really not out of the sco- scope of, out of, the scope of, of belief. You know so I'll say that, and then the other thing is, I am amazed, and this is what what you know, I think will be interesting to hear from you. I am amazed at how rapidly our behavior has changed, you know and how you know, we've pivoted. I mean, it seems like for the most part, at least the, the part of society I'm involved with has pivoted overnight to you now have you know all these zoom, and we're talking on zoom right now, but you know everything is gone from, you know it's just are you amazed at like how quickly we pivoted? And does that give you hope for how we can change behaviors going forward into the future?
0: Yeah. I mean, going back to the first part of that, about the virus, you know, viruses have been infecting humans (laughs) since the beginning of time, right? I mean, that's just what happens. Um, You know, in terms of conspiracy theory about where, where, why, you know, if, if this was created to Right now, honestly, it does not matter. We don't need to, you know, like all we need to do is control it. Like, let's focus on that and worry about the, like the fact that it exists is not a conspiracy. The fact that all of these (laughs) hundreds of thousands of people are being affected is not a conspiracy. Like put that, I I really want to swear right now, put that (laughs) away, (laughs) you know, and we just got to focus on getting, you know, getting it under control and, worry about the rest of that not to say that that's not valuable to think about those things and that we shouldn't be prepared for for whatever but like that is not the point right now um and then to come back to your sort of behavioral pivot you know i think pivot is a great word for what's happening and i think you know like you said, so many things are changing. We had a lot of stuff online already. You know, there's there's things in place that w- made the pivot a little bit easier for a lot of people, like the Zoom calls, like, you know, everything, you know, moving to sort of live online, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and even for, you know, sort of social communication as well. But I, you know, I'm hoping that p- the washing of our hands, like the... <laughs> That should have already been in play. It's one of the greatest you know, right? things that we've discovered, you know, and that we've learned from public health is washing your hands and vaccines. So, uh,
1: let me pause, interrupt right here because I will say this about about China, and I'm not picking. I'm, I'm saying this more as an observation of somebody who's traveled in the country. There really is. I've seen. I've been in planes. I've been in the public areas where people sneeze and they cough without covering their mouths. I've been in restrooms where you, know, you see people leaving the restroom like, um, you forgot to step, <laughs> you forgot to do something there, you didn't wash your hands. And it really is, and, I, and, I'm not, and it's not, it's just, I think part of it is that it's a different cultural perspective and it's a different approach. And it just is, but to your point, point you know 100 years ago, I think it was just a little, bit, a little bit more than 100 years ago in the early 20th century, we didn't realize how much of a role washing hands played in cutting back disease. So just a simple act of washing hands really plays a huge part in in limiting our our ability to be affected by a disease or a virus.
0: Yeah, I don't know the exact timeline of that either, but you know, it's like I hesitate to sort of place it on a certain country or a certain culture or a certain. And I'm not trying because, to do that. I'm
1: not. It's just no. It's very, I know you're not, but, but I'm just just reiterating
0: it. that, like yeah. you know, the this virus, a disease, could come from a lot of different places, and you know, our our own belief systems about how some, how a culture operates, you know, it's very different depending on where you're from and whatever. Right.
1: But regardless, or real quick, let me interrupt you real quick to say that. And I guess what I didn't contextualize was the early spread of the disease in China. I could attribute to people not covering their mouths and maybe not washing their hands. And I guess that that's what I was referring to. It's not that, it just—I could see how any virus, whether it, whatever it came from, totally. could spread quicker because of the population density. And if, as a whole, they don't well, have a public that thats, a,
0: that's a bigger thing too, right? That, the population that's,
1: density. That's I mean, I'm obviously, that, that. Yeah. And so, for you, Sean, that's what I'm trying to contextualize: is the population density combined with healthy behaviors that maybe aren't as they're not promoted as much as they are in the states like for years we've yeah but the thing is this is what i guess what i'm
0: trying to say is that the thing is is even though we as people from the united states or that live in the united states might think that of you know say china or whatever um we're not we're not great at it either right like (laughs) You know what I'm saying like you yeah, no. may you may be able to look around and say, "You know this looks cleaner whatever whatever judgment you want to put on there or not judgment or just observation or whatever, but very clearly, I think one of the things that people are realizing is how how not careful they have been about you know washing their hands and touching things, and you know I think in that sense it's giving the the greater public an understanding of just how many things we're coming into contact with on a, on a regular basis and, and sort of being more mindful of that. And I, I definitely think that that's a great thing. I, you know, I hope that we don't have to continue to carry antibacterial wipes with us every single day, all the time, like wiping down everything. But like, I do think it's great to be a little bit more mindful of it. Um, And, you know, that, and in terms of that kind of behavior and also just understanding How things can spread amongst humans and and how easily that can happen with these little droplets, you know, if you're not keeping your distance and if you're not, you know, covering your cough and your sneeze and all of that and like shaking hands. And, you know, I I really do hope that we don't stop shaking hands and giving hugs. You know, that's, (laughs) I'm such a hugger person that I'm just like, please don't stop doing that. I mean, I guess, no, for now, yes, but like in the long run, I hope that that's not something that goes away.
1: but before we got the before we got the order to shut down gyms in like the ten days and early you know ten twelve days in early March, I don't know about you, but one of the things I observed was people were much more mindful yes. about equipment. Everybody had a towel with them, and you saw you know it, you know people were always pretty good before, and I'm not going to say they were perfect, but I definitely noticed a, a specific mindfulness in the gyms and facilities as like kind of this stuff was starting to hit the states in the in the in early March of 2020 that all of a sudden people were being much more mindful. So the point is that if we have a reason to, we can change our behaviors. But let me ask you this, because now I want to talk a little bit about, okay, now we're, we're doing the, the self-sheltering at home. You, I know you're, you're a yoga instructor. You're a fitness instructor as well as, as a PhD. That's one of the reasons why I love mm-hmm. following you on social media. And, and I find what you do pretty fascinating oh, is you. that you study that. And then you also are out there in the trenches how do you think, I, I am surprised, I am fascinated by the fact, and I joke about this, and for people listening to the pod, they've heard me say this before on a previous one, but I don't know about you, my Instagram timeline, though, looks like fitness is thrown up all over it because everybody, you, myself, people that, we, that we're friends with, everybody is throwing up workout at home solutions on social media. Are you, are you surprised at how quickly that, that we've pivoted from real life classes to be able to look for digital solutions for how we keep people moving.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I will say my Instagram already looked like fitness threw up on it. (laughs) You know, I was, I was on the early end of the fitness thing when, when there wasn't very many people doing it. And it's so interesting to watch it sort of explode the way that it has. But, you know, I think the, the very obvious changes now are the live workouts. You know, I I open my Instagram and there's like 10 people live at the same time and they're, you know, all doing different workouts and, you know, whatever. And I mean, I think that that's great in the sense of offering more to people because people want to move while they're at home and there's that. And then there's also the online live classes, the Zoom classes, the Zoom one-on-one training and the, you know, all of the various, platforms that were already in existence and are now being utilized more and um you know for myself like i was always i you know i we spoke about this a little bit earlier but i i've been hit up by many many different brands that do variations of programs online or you know live classes online or you know all these all of the different types of options for offering classes and i teach in person so and I don't teach a lot right now. I used to teach way more, but you know, I, I don't teach very much anymore. Um, but I didn't feel like I necessarily, there it didn't feel to me that I personally had a need to put my stuff online to have people, you know, purchase it and, and do it. Like, I'm like, just come take my class or, you know, come to an event or, you know, whatever. Like I, I like the one-on-one, uh, not one-on-one, but the live and in person. Um, and then with this, the second that it hit, I was like, all right, it's time to go. We're just gonna do it. We're not, it's gonna feel a little weird at first, but whatever. We just gotta do it because I, you know, I know that my people still want to take class. And I also know that, you know, I've lived in different places. And so I have people on the East Coast as well that like can't ever take my class and now they can because they're home and we all have these different options. So, you know, it's it's interesting, and I think you're gonna start to see. A little bit, I, you know, I think it was a little needed in the space, um, a a little bit of, um, separation between the people who are super trained to do what they do and the people who are just throwing up workouts for the sake of throwing up workouts and they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily qualified to do so, um, you know, I hope that becomes a little bit more apparent as people, you know, are watching these various live workouts and trying these, all these different things and whatever it is that they're doing at home. Um, That's one of the positive things from just a fitness perspective that I hope comes out of this is that, you know, people are, are starting to pay a little bit more attention to, you know, what what's the actual quality involved with what we're well,
1: doing? the thing is I was planning on, you know, I was, and for listeners, they've heard me promote it. I was going to be releasing a series of, uh, in-home workouts that people could do just, you know, PDFs and little videos that people could do. My plan was to release that in early April anyway. So I've had to, the last two weeks have I me mean, kind of, instead of filming in a studio, I shot all the exercises at home in my, in my apartment, um, yep. just you know, to save money and get it out quicker and to try to, you know, rather than have to go schedule a photographer in the studio time and all that. Um, so I'm really, you know, I I really am surprised at how quickly that a lot of people have adopted. And I really, do you think that it's going to have a long-term effect? I've asked this of a few different guests. Mm -hmm. I'll be interested in your opinion. Do you think it's going to have a long-term effect on studios? You know, why or why not? Do you, you know, do you think all of a sudden everybody doing this at home, how do you think that's going to impact the studio and the live business in the long run?
0: Well, I think there's a couple things going on. I think some of the smaller studios may be forced to close because of this and because of the economic impact that's happening, unfortunately. Um, So I think obviously that's going to, to change some of this. Um, I think, you know, there's going to be somewhat of a craving to go back to being around people, um, that will likely happen. You know, it's hard to say it, part of it depends on how long we have to actually be, you know, sort of sheltered at this point. Um, but I do think that there, you know, for the people who are already taking classes, like that's what they miss, right? They don't, they sure they miss the workout they miss all of that, but there's, there's this like connection piece that they really are missing, um, which is what makes, I think, some of the Zoom stuff good because you can get that back and forth and supposed to, I'm just going to put this up live and you're all watching yeah. and I have no idea who's watching.
1: you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not acting, acting because you can't see them, right? Right, <laughs> right. Um,
0: but I also do think that there's, you know, like I'm seeing with the online classes that I'm doing, you know, and again, I was I was like super hesitant, you know, three months ago about doing this, Um, And then just jumped right into it, you know, like a week ago. And it, it's interesting because for me, I, I can get more people in one live class that's Zoom because I'm getting people from the East Coast and from here. And, you know, even, even within the Bay Area, people that are down in the South Bay who could never make it to my class at 6 30 PM during rush hour, like that would just never happen. So I think that there's some degree of those types of things that might stay in place. Even for myself, I don't totally know what I'm going to do yet. I don't think I'm going to ever give up teaching in person, but I may add this in as something, you know, that sort of stays just to be able to like offer that to people who can't, you know, come be in the Bay Area. Um, It'll be, I think it'll be really interesting to see how how it plays out. But I, again, I do think that there's going to be a a little bit of a quality control happening with this, which I think is super needed right right now. I think most fitness instructors can agree um, that, you know, some of the people who are just posting, you know, fitness related content, but not necessarily, you know, quality informed content, um, may get lost. Hopefully. I don't know. I mean, well, not and that's, completely. And but. And
1: actually do funny you say that? Because as I'm, as I'm looking at, as I'm finalizing all the stuff for, for the content I'm going to be releasing, I'm sitting there thinking maybe I'm a little bit too conservative because I'm a little bit more, I'm following like the, the protocols of the way they're supposed to be followed, you know? And I'm sitting there all of a sudden I'm like having this like self doubt. I'm like, Oh no, maybe I'm not hard enough or intense enough. Or, but then I'm like, my, my market really is going after the over 40. I'm not going after the thir- under 30, try to, you know, run your face into the wall, slam your body into the ground crowd. You know, that's not, you know, that's not where you and I live. I don't think I'm really going after, I'm really trying to go after that over 40 more educated population, but you're right. I mean, the hard thing is how do you, how do you control this? How do you police? I mean, it's hard enough to, to kind of control fitness instructors anyway, because you can walk into any, any class, any hey. club. And go, oh my God, what are they doing? Why are they doing what, what are they having that person do? So there's really, you know, you, you have that loss of control. But just from a from a behavior standpoint, do you think that really online are you surprised at how online like social media and and other avenues are really affecting how people move because we're starting to see some pretty interesting studies now that show that social media can be an effective media or be an effective tool for helping people with their behavior change? Is that something that's kind of caught you by surprise
0: not too much i, I mean in some respects, yes, but like I think you know, one of the key points about fitness and movement and physical activity or whatever you want to call it, um, is access, right? Like access is a huge, huge thing. And whether that's access because, you know, you work 16 hours a day and can't go to the gym or access because, You know, you don't make enough money to afford a gym membership or access because you live in a place that has no parks or anything around, whatever it is, access is a huge, huge thing. You're right. It's a very public health problem, right? When we talk about access, because there's so many different levels of what that even means. Uh, And I think, you know, social media and the internet obviously make things more accessible to those who can have the internet, right? We're still we're still talking about a certain level of people that have access to the internet. There's still people who don't have the same, if any, access. So you're still limiting to some degree. But for the people who have access to internet, maybe, you know, your schedule, again, your family, your whatever it is, it keeps you from going traffic. I mean, who knows? It keeps you from going out of your house yeah. and... Being able to do this in your house while your kid's asleep or while you're, you know, they're sitting there playing on their iPad or whatever, reading a book, <laughs> whatever it is. Well,
1: let's, let's, let's pause there real quick, Shauna, because one of the things I love about this is, you know, I've driven my car. I've gotten in my car maybe two or three days in the last week. Mm-hmm. I and mean, the only time I'm getting in my car is to go over to, to where my, my, my ex lives, not that far from me and with our daughters. And she still my ex works for the um, sheriff's department. And so she still has to go into work. She she's on a different schedule now. She's not a she's not an officer in the field, but she works in the crime lab. And so they still have cases to run. And right. so I'm going over there a couple of days a week and and to you know to, to be with my kids and, and to watch my kids and homeschooling's a pain in the butt. <laughs> but, <laughs> but one thing that I've noticed is, is that really that that people where I live in Carlsbad, I see so many more people walking. I'm not driving as much. I don't think other people was driving as much. So I think on one hand, it's, it's kind of forcing us, we're, we're being told to shelter in place to reduce you know, the, the chance of the virus spreading. But I think, do you think in one way that that's possibly promoting healthier behavior? If, if people can't do the gym or can't go to work, I'm seeing so many more people out walking. Do you think that this is actually going to create a long-term shift in behavior where maybe we do more? stuff like go walking as a family or, or go out and spend more time just outside?
0: Um, I'm not sure. I think that's really tricky to say, because I also think, you know, for me, for instance, like I'm a very active person. I don't necessarily have time in my normal day to walk, to go get coffee or whatever. Um, but I'm doing it you know i'm going outside because i just want to be outside for fresh air right like i'm a runner i just recently had an injury so i haven't run in you know 10 weeks or something ridiculous but um i think just, you
1: know the number of days
0: i know i know <laughs> <laughs> um i'm so close to getting back out but like i just want to you know i love being outside and i live in the bay area which is a place that's you know it's great and it's easy to be outside Um, so I think some of the people walking around is just because they, they feel confined in their house. And, you know, I'm hoping that that will make people appreciate it a lot more to be able to go outside and to go for walks and to do all these things. Um, and sure, I, you know, I think it can have an impact on people, you know, doing more things outside of, what they would normally do. Um, but I think it's really hard to say because I, it's all going to depend on what happens as we start to come out of this. Cause it's not just going to be like, boom, and we're back in, you know, it's going to have to be a gradual, otherwise, you know, it's just going to cause another uptick of cases. So it's going to have to be a gradual sort of come out of this. However, that's going to be, I don't know what that is. Um, but you know, I think, I, I definitely. I mean, this is game changing for everyone. Like, yeah. like everything has changed. Like, this is a moment that things changed, and it's we just don't. It's too early to know what that means. Um, you know, I, I think there's probably going to be a lot more of a little bit of the at home stuff and a little bit of the like I actually need to go outside and or go to a gym and or whatever.
1: Well, let um, me ask you this because the the, the question has popped into mind is like traditionally, where the biggest what are the biggest barriers to behavior change, you know, traditionally, like in, in, in regards to anything, whether it's healthy behavior, yeah. anything, but from what well, you've studied, what tend to be the barriers to somebody changing behavior?
0: So this is one of the things, you know, I spent years and years and years that it's like the biggest, one of the biggest public health problems, issues, whatever you want to call it, because behavior change is affected by So many layers upon layers upon layers of things, right? You have individual, you have family, you have community, you have government, you have society, you have cultural, you have economic. Like all of these things impact what someone does or doesn't do, right? And so, I mean, even just think about this scenario. A lot of those factors are impacting what's happening with us right now, about, you know, we're not allowed to go do certain things, like, you know the decisions that we're making are a lot based on what's happening economically you know what happens with our family and all of that has, has to do with our culturally like are we living you know in a house that has five people are we living you know it's like there's so many different levels of factors that play into any behavior change and that's what makes it so tricky you know I think I think one of the Biggest misconceptions, and one of the things that like irritates me a lot (laughs) when people are talking about fitness and nutrition, and specifically is you know, someone will be like, uh, there it's it's very blaming, right? Like, oh, you know, you're unhealthy, you should just XYZ, like, why can't you just do that? And it's like, there's so many things that go into what makes a person decide or not decide to do something, whether that is to move their body or eat better or change this or change that. I think it's very uh, close-minded to think that the, the one thing that you feel in your head is the deciding factor for you to make a behavior change. It's going to be the same thing for someone else, right? You know, I I think that there's a lot of times people are like, oh, well, if you just didn't eat like that, or if you just didn't, you know, if you just moved more, and, and that's very simplistic when it comes to a very complicated being that we are, right? There's mental, emotional, psychological, physical, all of these things happening within each individual. And then you have all of the stuff that's around them. So, you know, behavior changes is, is a very, very tricky thing. And that's why there's lots of people who dedicate their lives to trying to figure out how can we get people to make better choices, right? And sometimes that's policy. Think about seatbelts. How can we get people to, you know, not die in so many car crashes? That we have seatbelts, how do we do that? So policy, now it's, you know, illegal to drive without a seatbelt. And we have, we have a, a great huge behavior change. And, but, you know, same thing with smoking. Like there's there's a lot of these things that have to come down to policy sometimes. And there's other things that, you know, we just have to make it more accessible, make it um, easier, make it um, more, you know, personal to someone to be able to make those kinds of changes. And this is why it's so tricky, Even, even in this scenario where we're like, why don't you just stay home? Why don't you just wash your hands? Why don't you just, and it's like, you know, while we all want everyone to do that, there's, there's things that are going on in people's minds and, you know, their fears and their all, all of this stuff that plays in. So, I mean, that's why behavior change is like one of the trickiest things because we're complicated beings.
1: Yeah. Well, we're not, yeah, we are. I mean, we are that with the full artificial intelligence beings. Cause we do think, and then also too, everybody's so self-driven. It's like, well, they don't mean me or, or my actions yes. don't really impact that many other yes. people. But that's been the, has been what's the, the fascinating thing is, is exponential, you know, two people if each of those two people affect two other people affect two other people then you get that exponential exponential rise you know I, that, and that to me is really where i think people kind of miss the boat it can be easy to sit there and think well you know i feel fine i feel healthy i don't really need to worry about this that much but at the same time your at your actions influence so many other people do you think this is making people more aware of how interconnected we are in real life because i think to some degrees, with everything being online and everything being through our phones the last five, 10 years, we've kind of forgotten the fact that we are all living next to one another. And mm-hmm. I think in some ways, I, I hadn't even really thought about this until just now, until, until listening to listen you talk about the behavior change, Shauna. But I think in some ways, this is making us much more aware that, that my action influences you and your action influences me or that, that we influence those around us. And is that a good thing? I, or, I mean, first of all, are we becoming more aware of that? And is that a good thing or is that something that's kind of going to be like, eh, and then three months when we get through this, we'll be like back to our normal ways.
0: Well, I think the people who understand and are, you know, sort of listening to the experts when it comes to these things, I think, yeah, I think those people are going to understand it. I think the people who don't take it very seriously because they don't think it applies to them, obviously those that That type of mentality is not going to then change like you're not going to get it. If you're not understanding the fact that that what you just said is actually happening, then you're not going to like that's not something that you're going to adopt into your own being until you understand that. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes it takes someone they know being affected before someone will actually get it. I've actually seen that happen with a few of my friends on social media. Um, you know we've seen it with some of the the athletes and celebrities and you know things like that as well but for the people who actually understand what's happening, I, I do think that there's some level of, oh, right, we live in this society.
1: <laughs> well, let's pause on that real quick because it, it seems like this all, I mean, it was kind of like coronaviruses in the background. It was something abstract in China, right? We knew that certain parts of China, I mean, I work the company I work with, and this is the idiot in me, I should have sold my stocks weeks ago. Because I was on the phone with some of my colleagues in China and knew our factory had shut down in China at the end of January, and my colleagues were on uh, my colleagues in China were on sheltered home orders you know back in late January yeah. late February, and I should have known that this was coming down the supply chain because I knew all the factories were closed in China, which is going to affect the supply chain for for everything and uh, where was I going with that but then you see kind of how it impacts, but then all of a sudden it was something abstract you know something overseas and Maybe it's gonna affect us here. But then all of a sudden, it was two weeks ago, you had the NBA player tested positive. You mm-hmm. had, you know, Trump do his Wednesday night address, which was a complete crap show. And then you had Tom Hanks. All those three things happened within 24 hours, which yeah. immediately within it was like I think Tom Hanks getting getting <laughs> identified as positive had just as much influence as, as Trump's first speech. But then all of a sudden it's like you had the NBA going suspension. You had the NCAA tournament um, decide. I mean, that took a few extra days, but I think it was like those things that all of a sudden happened within the twenty-four to forty-eight hour period. That really was that proverbial slap across the face. It got everybody like, "Oh my goodness, we got to take this seriously." I mean, isn't it kind of amazing how like all of a sudden overnight it went from being abstract to this is in our face?
0: Yeah, I mean, I to be honest, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> like that doesn't it doesn't surprise me, and I I kind of always have a feeling that something like that needs to happen. Like it needs to be tangible for people sometimes. If you don't understand it, you know, if you're not in that mentality of like what I do is going to affect other people and what they do is going to affect me if, and, or like I'm not immune to this or whatever it might be. If you're, if you're under that mentality, it is going to take something that, like you said, is like this slap across the face of like, Oh, guess what? Not only are you not immune to this, not only is it going to affect potentially everyone around you and you but like we all have to pay attention to this um you know that's that's not uncommon and that's you know i mean that is what i mean that that same thought about you know people of influence bringing it into this very tangible like oh i want to be like them. I want to understand like them. I want to, you know, whatever it is like, that's why influencers exist, right? That's why celebrities are, you know, as powerful as they so are.
1: Kardashian then. Dang.
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's just this mentality of like, I, it need, like I need to feel like it's, it's relevant to me. And if someone that I look up to says, does, you know, whatever, um, then it becomes more tangible to me. And I think, you know, some of the, some of the things like, you know, the MBA closing down and, and the, you know, then the, the shelter in places happening, you know, like, like you said, in the Bay area, it's been a while now we've been here. Um, those types of things, I think, make it a little bit more serious to people um, because, Oh, guess what? That's, I mean, if they're doing that, it must be actually kind of serious. You know, like, I think that that that's sort of the, the point with, with, you know, not the point in doing it because we just need to do it. But like, I think those are the points where people are going to start to like, get that click of like, oh, this is actually serious.
1: Um, Let me ask you this. And I'm going to shift a little bit here um, because I was just checking what I was, but I was checking there and, and for listeners, you know, we're talking, we're talking via zoom. And as we're doing this, Shauna, I'm sitting here thinking, maybe I should start recording these because I've been doing more and more on my YouTube channel. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think I will. I don't want to do that now because I didn't give you a heads up that I was going to. Do
0: that. <laughs> I mean, that's okay if you want you to. I
1: know, <laughs> you know, it, you know and it's where well, I'm here. I turn my hat backwards just because when I had it forward, I don't want to be like an aging jock. But when I had it forward, I realized my hat was shading and you couldn't see my face <laughs> on, on the camera. And that to me, I, I so I turned my because if otherwise, well, it's not too bad. Um, but I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I could do, I could kind of shift pivot the, the podcast a little bit and, and do the conversations on YouTube. But also, what I wanted to ask you about—that was aside. But what I wanted to ask you about—is you're starting to write um, write a column. What I was doing was looking on my phone. That's why I mentioned the video thing. But you're starting to write a column—a column for Self, right? Yep. Um, self Magazine. What are you going to be writing for Self, and how did that how did that come about?
0: Um, so my column is called "The Sweaty Professor," and <laughs>
1: <laughs> I the column and I, and I skimmed it. You know, so I got the title. I love that title.
0: Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm very excited about it. I mean, I've been writing for them sort of as a contributor off and on for a few, like months now I've done a few columns for them. actually, it's probably been a lot longer than that, maybe like a year off and on. Um, and then they offered me, you know, this column to do sort of like more consistently, uh, you know, everything's going to be based around fitness and movement. Um, but it's, I, I think I, in the description, I don't remember exactly what my description was, but it's with a side of science and SAS because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and because I am a PhD, like I can't, I can't not bring in, you know, unless I'm talking about leggings, which I do have an article where I talk about leggings, but like, you know, for the most part I can't not bring in some science and or facts and or, you know, whatever. Cause that's, that's. Now, <laughs> on that real quick.
1: As a guy, and I want you to talk a little more about that, a guy. I'm a little jealous about leggings Okay, you should because be I, 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 <laughs> seems like this guy like when I go to the gym, I got like, "Okay, I can wear black shorts, I can wear red shorts, I can wear gray shorts you know that 's oh, basically God. it. Women seem to have a much more diverse opportunity, and I bought a pair of leggings, but the, the pair of leggings I bought were anatomy leggings for a, a workshop I did on on glutes, and they 're just like their lower body anatomy, and it 's a little bit awkward wearing leggings as a guy, but I have to say i 'm a little bit jealous of. The fashion choices that women have at the gym with leggings, and with that, because it's like, wait a minute, I can't throw. You know, you can't do. You know, guys just don't have the same ability to do that. I mean, sorry, that just is a little. You mentioned that about leggings, hey, you so know. With, with self, it's, I like that. So you're gonna be talking about because you have that skill set to talk about. Okay, I can come at it from a PhD perspective, yep. but I'm also gonna come at it from, hey, I'm a yoga instructor and I'm a consumer as well. Is that yep. really where you're trying to go with, with what you're doing with self?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, because I do straddle these two worlds and, or I straddle multiple worlds, but, <laughs> you know, cause I'm like in fitness, I'm in yoga, I'm in public health. You know, I also, you know, I'm a big hip hop head. So I'm, I'm over in that area a lot too. Um, but yeah, I, you know, for me, it's, I, I definitely want to be able to offer information that's, um, informed i guess is the best word i can use yeah. uh, because that's you know like that my training is in writing academic papers but i also really just love to write and so being able to write in a way you know and the sass part of it is that i swear a lot you know there's a lot of swearing in there there's there's a lot of like just i keep it super real you know i mean that's that's part of who i am and you can't necessarily do that in academia <laughs> so it's kind of fun for me to be able to write things that hopefully will help people, but then also just do it in sort of a fun way.
1: Because, because the funny, you did a thread, I don't know what it was a week ago. Today, oh. <laughs> about dating, Something about dating. So as you're saying this, I'm kind of like, wow, you're kind of like a, a Carrie Bradshaw for the 2020s, but you're doing more fitness. So what was the dating thread that you did? You did a dating thread. Oh, on, I, 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 was, I, I, I can't, can't remember I thought, exactly what it was, was. Hilarious. I mean, It was
0: like it was what coronavirus has taught me about dating.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, and this was in the early days of the like, right, I think it was right before we got officially locked down um, or maybe it was like right after we got locked down. But it, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, one of the things was if you don't take this thing seriously, I don't think I can take you seriously either or something like that. Yeah, you know, and
1: exactly
0: if you're the type of person that need, needs 88 rolls of toilet paper for two weeks, I think I know enough, <laughs> you know, my sister actually helped throw that one in. Um, you know, and, and also just in terms of making decisions, right. It's like, if I don't feel like I could be locked down with you for two weeks, it's probably not going to work out, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, been a very interesting time in terms of that, but yeah, it's, it, you know,
1: Well, how do you think, how do you, but how do you think this is going to affect? I mean, with this, with this sheltered oh. place order, how do you think that's going to affect? I'm sure right now, a lot of people out there who are not dating or, or single are like, I want to. They, they, at least, you know, you want to go out and be more social. I mean, that, that yeah. is a real impact, right? I mean, so yeah. how do you, you, know, you have like, you know, the rational mind says, well, I know this is important. I need to do this. This is, you know, it, it's, it's public health. We need to keep everybody safe, but then you kind of have the emotional side of, damn it. I just want to get out and be around people or totally. I want to go be with, be with a, uh, you know, be with a significant other.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I actually looked up a few just pieces about, um, Relationships and and sort of what people were saying about it and you know it's very interesting to see that the you know there's a there's a lot of decision making that has to happen because like couples that maybe are exclusive but weren't living together have to make a decision are they going to live together or are they going to just stay away from each other you know or like you know what's that negotiation like and then the couples who aren't maybe exclusive then you have a different set of decisions to make you know similar but like a little bit more you know impactful <laughs> because if you're dating multiple people clearly that's that's the opposite of social distancing <laughs> so you know yeah there's a lot of decision, decisions that need to be made in, in that regard and and then you also have things you know the person who's single and lives by themselves and that which I fall into that category and it's like you know you also have mental health things to consider here where, you know, you're, you're by yourself and we're meant to be social beings. And like, what does that mean? And what, you know, what can you do, you know, in terms of, I think even families, you know, one of the things I read was talking about like, you know, different families with kids, you know, and yeah. the, the play group thing is a problem, right? You can't, you can't yeah, do that's that.
1: that's big issue that we've had, you know, is yeah. like especially, you know, where, 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 where my ex lives is they have, they're in a condo, kind of a townhome condo community, and all the all the houses have garages that back up into an alleyway. So usually after school, four thirty five o'clock, garages come open. Kids are out there with scooters, balls. The parents are hanging out, having a cocktail. And now that 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 can't happen, and that's a real impact because my kids are they're in elementary school. They're going, well, "Why can't we do that?" And you know, my my poor ex is having to you know figure out like having to explain to them that this is for your safety. And like, I'll go over there a little bit later today. She has the day off of work. So she's been doing homeschool today and I'll go over there later today and give her a break. So she can kind of have a little bit of time to herself and get her workout on and I'll go, you know, the thing is though, with all the parks being closed, I'm basically, you know, we're stuck kind of marching around the neighborhood, you know, that, so it really does impact that, you know, that kind of thing. But um,
0: no, (laughs) for sure. And I, you know, I, I think, there again it's just a lot of decision making and it needs to be informed decision making right like if you have one family that both agree that that's the one family that you're going to interact with and you know that they're not interacting with a whole bunch of other people then
1: yeah
0: you know you can make a decision that you know that's going to be something that you guys work out where that's, that's the one point. person yeah. you know and i think same thing with someone who lives by themselves if they have like one friend that they decide like you're going to be the person that either you're going to completely quarantine with, or, you know, that you're, you, you're sort of making a a pact with each other that you're going to not go and visit like hundreds of different people. Um, You know, like I think those types of decisions can be made, but they need to be made in a very, very informed and still abide by all of the other, you know, wiping everything down and washing hands and, you know, like all of that stuff. Um, but go back, going back to some of the other things about dating and the other things that I've seen talked about a lot are, and that I've experienced is like, you know, the conversation having to happen and sort of the FaceTimes and this, that, that's leading with that instead of leading with other things (laughs) Um, often, you know, can actually help develop a relationship, I think a little bit better, um, in some regards, I mean, obviously it's hard, but like if you can't see the person, but if, if you are forced to have conversations with them, just like some couples are forced, some husbands and wives are forced to actually spend time with each other right now. You know, there's a, there's a lot of like social interaction things that are happening at the same time that all of this other stuff is happening. So it's going to be super interesting to see the, the longer term effects of, of what's happening at, at the moment.
1: Well, and that, and that is, you know, it, we don't know what we, we don't know. And we don't know, right. I mean, to your point earlier, I mean, you said earlier, this is the, the massive social experiment and, and almost in some ways, I kind of feel like um, 25th century, what was a Buck Rogers in the 25th century, where this is going to kind of, I thought by now, kind of by 2020, that we'd all be walking around in silver jumpsuits anyway, you know, that, why <laughs> you, that basically that's what we're, we're being reverted to is, as I love, I saw the meme this morning, Shauna, where it was like my first Zoom meeting, it was a picture of Leslie Nope, which is, um, what's Amy Poehler's character from, uh, Parks and Rec, but it was oh, okay. a picture of Leslie Nope, like Zoom, my, my first Zoom meeting. And then, then it was like by day 14 Zoom meeting, I'm putting my baseball hat back on here. It was like by day 14 Zoom meeting, it was like the sweatshirt and the ball cap and the, you know, oh, just yeah. like gone from being like the first few days of being stuck at home. were very formal. We're going to be, yeah, we're still going to have the routine that by two weeks of being sheltered in place, like Oh, I'm wearing the same sweatpants for four days in a row. <laughs> you,
0: know, you know what's interesting about that, though, and and I've seen a few people talk about this, and I noticed it as well. Is you know being on a Zoom call, a Zoom meeting where someone has their kid with them, or they're in their pajamas, or watching live with Kelly and um, having them be in their pajamas, or you know Trevor Noah from home. It's like it. There's something very humanizing. And sort of right. like, they're just like us. We're all, we're all doing this. We're all in our kitchens, in our living rooms, in our pajamas, Wasp. in our hoodies and <laughs> our whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that that's something that, you know, obviously everybody's doing it because they don't have a choice. That's the only way that they can work if they're going to work or, you know, bring a show to to the rest of the world, if they're going to bring a show to the rest of the world. But it, there is something very like we're in this together, very community about that. And I, th- I, think, it, I think that by itself, too, is going to impact a lot because I think, you know, there's, there's often this very big like wall, especially when it comes to celebrities um, and sometimes our bosses or, you know, anyone who's a higher up in our mind or actual higher up, you know, in terms of position I think that there's this like block of like, you can't, you're not allowed to show who you are. And I think that this is forcing us to show who we are because what else are you going to do? You're at home.
1: (laughs) Well, I think also too catching the virus is so there is no, yeah, it might seem that people with means with a little bit of uh, resources like NBA players and, and movie stars, whatever can get tested sooner. But what I see today that Boris Johnson, the prime minister of, of the UK has coronavirus and, you know, that Prince Charles um, has got tested positive for coronavirus. And, wow. you know, you're seeing so they're really, I mean, to your point earlier, viruses can't discriminate. Viruses are oh, not no. you know, they, they, a microbe, you know, a teeny, teeny tiny microbe can't really doesn't know who you are, where you're from, what your lineage is. All they know is that you have a host cell that they can attach to and attack. And that's about what yes. as as I understand about viral epidemiology. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised I even know that much. Are you you doing going back to your? Are you doing online programs? Because I think you're offering online programs, right? I
0: am. Yeah. So I'm teaching. I I I feel like I'm like oh, I'm teaching three times a week. I'm like it's been a week. I don't know what I'm actually teaching. I taught three times last week. Um, and and doing. I'm working with a company called Live Kick, and basically it's like a two-way Zoom sort of situation. So, um, I think the the Sunday the weekend class that I had had. Almost ninety people in it, and so oh, wow. you know, yeah. And it was really it was for me again, living by myself, to see all of these people and like watch them. And I was like, "Hi, guys!" <laughs> <You> <laughs> oh, know, was like people, a little kid yeah. in a candy store. I was like, "Look at people!" <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's super fun to be able to um, offer that, and again, sort of see people across the country and or internationally that want to take class at the same time. So. For, and, and it also, like, helps me, I mean, obviously, those of us who are teachers, instructors, trainers, we do this because we love it, and there's something very grounding for me about being able to teach and being able to, like, communicate and help people move their bodies and, and just, like, be in that moment, and that really changed everything for me, that I can do that, you know, and, and it also, in my head, gives me a little bit of a schedule. I know I'm teaching, you know, Sunday and Tuesday right now, you know, for this next coming week. Um, so it's, it's, it's been, it's been an interesting <laughs> journey, but I'm really happy to be doing it.
1: And then the sweaty professor, how often are, is that an online um, column you're writing or is that come Does self even do print anymore or is self hundred percent online?
0: They're, they're almost hundred percent online. They do. I okay. think they do like one, maybe two print versions a year, oh, okay. um, as far as I know, but yeah, it's completely online. Um, it's going to be, it's supposed to be once a month. Um, So, yeah, I'm, you know, and I'm trying to do, you know, stuff that's useful for people. (laughs) So like right now I'm trying to figure, I just wrote something about ways that you can move at home that aren't necessarily workouts. Um, Just like little things you can do around the house while you're there to like keep yourself moving and, you know, whatever. Um, And so I'm trying to do something that the next one, something that's also sort of related to like keeping ourselves. (laughs) Relatively. Relatively yes, happy yeah. while we're doing
1: this. Yeah, so we'll see They're what happens. Good place. Cool. And then you're also very active on both uh, Twitter and, and Instagram. Which one's your favorite platform? And if people want to kind of follow you, where should they gravitate towards? Uh,
0: Instagram is the one that I'm most commonly on. Um, and my handle for, is the same for both. It's uh, at Shauna underscore Harrison. Um, but yeah, on Instagram, what I've been doing is since I, the classes that I'm teaching are charge-based, um, but I am also offering it, you know, any medical professional that wants to take class that, you know, I I'm happy to give it to them for free. Anyone who's, you know, if not in a financial uh, position right like now,
1: they're huh? probably just, I'm saying to medical professionals, if they have time, I mean, my right, mind. exactly.
0: Like if they want to, right. It's all, if you want, you know, yeah. and anybody who like can't take class for whatever financial reason, if they reach out to me, like, I'm happy to give it to them for free, but I also, you know, really. Want to be able to offer things to people that are useful. So I've been posting, which is something, again, I wasn't really doing on Instagram. I used to do a bunch of like exercise videos and like whatever, but I've been posting sort of mini yoga classes, like between 10 and 15 minutes um, and on my IGTV channel um, okay. that you know, I film cause I used to film them and do them in like hyper speed and they would stay underneath the one minute thing and you know, whatever, I just give people the, the poses yeah. and call it a day. Um, but I feel like right now it's helpful to have a longer video that they can watch. That's not super long. So you can just spit it in somewhere. Um, so I've been doing these 10 to 15 minute flows where I do a voiceover, um, after, you know, I'll just get on my mat and do whatever comes to mind and then I'll do a voiceover and and teach it, um, afterwards and then post that. So I've been doing hmm. those every few days, sort of alternating with the, the days that I'm teaching so that I'm doing some stuff for free. You can take it, you can do whatever you want with it. And then I'm doing some stuff where, you know, it's a little bit more organized and it's an actual class and it's an hour and, you know, we're in there and you're with other people and all of that kind of thing.
1: That's cool stuff. No, I appreciate So Sean, I really appreciate your time. It's been fun having this conversation. Like I said, when I first, um, when this first started hitting, I mean, you're, you're one of the, I don't have a huge circle network of uh, people with uh, your, your expertise, your education and public health. Um, and then you, you posted a couple of things that, that really caught my eye. One of them being dating in the time of uh, COVID-19, which I was like, oh, because, fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, in terms of putting it all together, I was like, yeah, it'd be fun to have a conversation with her. But in all honesty, I mean, I really appreciate this because this is what I'm trying to do is put out some content for people really understanding just kind of like we all have to get through this together and we are in the same boat and, and okay. regardless whether you're in the Bay area, what, no matter what part of the country you're in, that we all have to do the right thing. And, and the other thing is that I think people have to understand is we're going to get through this. This oh, is a time of short discomfort. It, it's a little bit, we got to, we got to make light of it. We have to have fun with it. We have to do what we can with it, but you know, before long, two weeks, four weeks, whatever it's going to be, this will be in our rear view mirror and we'll be back to a different world. You know, it's going to be a game changer, but it's going to be, we'll be back to business as normal. So yep. I'd be having a conversation, I think helps people learn how to do that and, and how to apply that.
0: Yeah. And the, you know, the sooner that we can all abide by what's being asked of us, the the sooner we can come out of it. Right. So it's, you know, it goes back to what I'm sure a lot of people parent their child with, which is like, if you pay attention now, then yeah. <laughs> then we can go and do all the things that we want to do later.
1: <laughs> it, it is a lot. Of that. All right. Well, Shauna, thank you for your time. Thank,
0: thank you me. for having me. All
1: right. There we go. As I said in the beginning, that's, that's a fun conversation. This really was a very, um, for me, a very enlightening conversation because, you know, I've read some of the articles I've read. You know, both the academic and the, kind of the pop journalism articles about the effects of this virus, and 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 I understand not a lot. I understand very little about epidemiology, but it really is fascinating to have that discussion with somebody who studied this for years and how this. You know, our actions from a public health standpoint, our actions, what I do affects you, what you do affects others, and so as we look at a virus that is so easy to transmit. Like this novel coronavirus, we really have a huge part of the social contract to try to limit the spread. And that's what this, as, as this is, as uncomfortable as this is, as big of a pain in the butt this is, to be sheltered in place, to not be doing our regular routine, to not be going to our regular yoga classes, cycling classes, not be going to the gym, not be going to work. Uh, well, let, let's face it, <laughs> a lot of, if you are able to work from home, if, you're, if your business is still operational right now, and you are able to work from home i think that's going to be a major disruptor i was talking about that with one of my neighbors from from a safe distance i was talking about that with one of my neighbors the other day about how i think one of the biggest disruptions out of this right now is it's really going to impact the commercial real estate market because i think a lot of businesses are going to realize that they can keep their between various video conferencing very you know the conference calls the zoom calls that we can still be productive working from home. So I really think this is going to change our, you know, the organizational landscape of how different businesses function. That's just one that's that's one way. I mean it's a whole different psychosocial perspective, but that's an interesting point of view to see how this is going to impact everything. But that's a conversation I wanted to have with a sweaty professor and I wanted to give her an opportunity. You know, I really had a kick when I when she posted, you know, things about dating in uh dating the era of the coronavirus. I really that made me laugh, and I actually reached out to her via Twitter and said, "Hey, let's uh let's schedule another conversation because it had been a few years from our initial conversation." And Shauna and I have a few few mutual friends. She's one of the master trainers for TRX, and I really she's somebody I I really enjoy following from a distance. And like a lot of my guests that that I have on on All About Fitness, she and I haven't met in person. I mean, we've corresponded via email, we've corresponded via DM on uh, social media channels. And I really am looking forward to the day when I can give her a big high five and a hug and sit down and have a, a in depth real-life conversation with her. And here's a little irony, folks, and, and this is uh, honestly you know, a hand up in the air, honest-to-goodness truth, is that while Sean and I were talking, we each received an email from uh, Dr. Natalia Petrozella. And I call Dr. Petrozella is the uh, official historian, the fitness historian for All About Fitness. But I've been scheduled to Dr. Petrozella, Natalia is teaching a class this semester at the new school and her class is on fitness in America. It's looking at the history of fitness in America. It's a book that she has coming out in 2021 and she's teaching this as a college class. And so she had, she had me scheduled to be a, a guest um, speaker via teleconferencing. She had uh Shauna scheduled to be a guest speaker And we both received an email uh, during the during the podcast from from Natalia about scheduling our scheduling our 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 time together. So pretty soon coming up, um, both Sean and I will be uh, a guest of Natalia's. We'll be hopefully sharing the same time as we speak to Natalia's class remotely, kind of about a different perspective of fitness um, of fitness life in modern America. Anyway, that's just that's a funny little thing. And and if you want, I really if you want a fascinating look. Natalia posts a lot of information about her class on her Twitter feed, and I'm going to include uh, Natalia's Twitter feed down below the show notes. I'm also going to link down below to uh, one or two of the Sweaty Professor columns that Shauna writes for Self Magazine, and I really highly recommend either you follow her on Twitter or Instagram, uh, both Natalia and Shauna, because they both really do, are doing some fascinating stuff, and they are a lot of fun to follow. So that said, if you want fitness information, You can follow me on Instagram, Pete McCall underscore fitness. That's Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. I try to put out a a lot of information there. And also on the All About Fitness podcast YouTube channel. That's right. The All About Fitness podcast now has a channel on YouTube. And I am trying to show a lot of different fitness things that you can do right now at home. But overall, I'll be putting a lot of fitness information up on the YouTube channel. And if you remember, if you want to support the podcast, if you want to support what I'm doing, just purchase some content from me, purchase the book, purchase one of my workouts. I'm not just asking you to give me money. I'm actually giving you stuff that you can use to help enhance your quality of life. So with that, thanks for stopping by. And I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.